Good morning, Cornerstone. Um, you've already seen me, but my name is Hojen, and I'm one of the pastors at Cornerstone. And this morning, I have the great privilege of letting you all know that we have a guest speaker who will share the Word of God uh, to us this morning. And that guest speaker is Reverend Stephen Cushing, the um, Executive Director and Senior Chaplain at the New England Seafarers Mission. Uh, Steve is a very good friend to Cornerstone. We are pretty sure that the past uh, 15, 16 months was the only year that he didn't preach at our church. Uh, many of us know him. And uh, the New England Seafarers Mission is a ministry of our denomination. And the mission brings churches, organizations, volunteers together to advance the welfare of seafarers entering the ports of New England. Uh, believe it or not, many of the goods that you have at your house, um, some of the shortages that you've seen uh, through the pandemic, it's because things are being transported via the ocean, via uh, ships. And there are seafarers on these ships, workers um, that are often forgotten by even by us. So uh, if you have volunteered at the mission before, uh, you know that Steve is very involved in the holistic care of seafarers and even um, recently uh, advocating for, for them when they are mistreated by their employers, which is a complicated situation for them because they are so removed from home, so, so removed from uh, the people who can stand up for them. Uh, Steve can correct me if I'm wrong here, but the mission has served people from uh, 167 countries over the course of 140 years. Uh, in, so in a lot of ways, volunteering at New England Seafarers Mission is going overseas without getting on a plane. Uh, Steve and the mission have been featured on, in the Boston Globe as well as WBUR, which is Boston's NPR news station. Uh, I have been privileged to serve on the board of New England Seafarers Mission since 2016, which I actually can't believe that it's been that long. And I consider Steve an older brother, uh, a friend who I uh, respect a lot and look up to. Uh, even this morning, he was ribbing me about how poorly the Yankees are playing this season. Uh, but Steve, we are so grateful to have you. And yeah, thank you for sharing God's word. And it is good to be here with you in a second while I get myself set up. And yes, the mission has been in existence for 140 years. I've not been there that whole time, though I might look it, but I've not been there that whole time. Um, and uh, Hojin is, uh, I'm ribbing him about the Yankees, but I also told him I know at some point it's going to reverse back again. Uh, so there you have it. It is a joy to be here with you. Uh, a true pleasure. I have always enjoyed my time at Cornerstone, and this is certainly a very different situation. I've been to a number of churches helping out in this way with um, preaching, and everybody has been doing it different, but everybody has been doing it well. And it all depends on what the situation is for each church, and some are doing it live, some are doing completely remote, some are doing it completely re recorded. But uh, this is exciting to be here in this facility and working with this team to bring you a time of worship and of praise and of being together and to hear uh, the Word of God. Our scripture lesson for this morning is from the book of Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah, uh, I have just been studying it for these past few months, and so I asked Hojin if I could preach on this verse, and it seemed to go with what uh, the, their, the theme for the month is of being sent out. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 6. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, 
because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers, but you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Won't you pray with me for a moment? Gracious God, thank you for this day. Bless the hearing of this word. I pray, Lord, that you would have me speak your words, that you would be glorified, that you might increase, that I might diminish, and so that all might feel the fruit and be empowered by your mighty spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, I've, I was telling Ho Jin and the team here, I've spent this past week at home, actually at my parents' home. My parents are both 96 years old. They're doing well. They live with my brother and sister-in-law who care for them. But my brother and sister-in-law needed to visit their adult children out on the West Coast, so he asked if my sister and I could each take a week and staying with them. They are about 50% um, uh, independent, which just means that the other 50% is enough to get them into trouble and can't leave them alone for very long um, because of their age and whatnot. But there, it was a week that I was, um, I was worried, how am I going to do, how am I going to care for my parents? It's a strange situation. It's a reversal uh, of roles, if you will. But it's been, it was good to be with them and to chat with them. And we've had a lot of uh, wonderful conversations um, we, uh, as we sat down for breakfasts and for dinners uh, to hear stories. Some of them, um, I heard the same story every day of the week because they forgot they told the week before. Um, but somehow we got on the subject of, of uh, identifications and ID tags because you, my father is a World War II veteran. Okay? And uh, he, um, he, had, uh, he was telling me stories about his time in the Army Air Force. He was a navigator on a bomber. And, you know, we got to talking about IDs and, and because his service number was on his dog tag. You've probably seen that in movies. It's around the neck of the service uh, man or service woman. And on there is their name and their service number. And this is actually is how we got on the topic because, lo and behold, he needed to have some dentures made. And my sister-in-law looked in the records and because of his service number and because he served during wartime for our country, 70 years later, our country paid for him to have dentures. Isn't that wonderful? It's marvelous. Well, actually, the dentures broke. They fell out on the bathroom floor, and we had to get them repaired. So that's how we got on the subject of IDs. That ID number identified him as a serviceman in the service of our country, even though it was 70 years ago, which is just kind of amazing when you think about that. Who are we? And what does it mean for us to have an ID? What is our ID 
with God. You know, when I go on board the ships that Ho Jin is talking about, I have to have my own ID with me because of, of um, the attacks uh, um, of 9-11 um, uh, years ago. Every marine terminal became a secure facility. And so we all had to get these IDs, which were put out by Homeland Security. It's called a TWIC, Transport Worker Identification Credential. And the trouble is that there's no, they never made a reader for that TWIC card, even though it has your biometric information. So the, the marine terminal where the container ships come in, Massport, they had to make their own ID that does have a chip inside. So when I go to the ship, I actually pull up to the guard shack. I put my my Massport ID under the electronic reader, it reads it, it brings up my file as to who I am, and then I have to flip the ID over and show it to the um, Massport police officer on duty to see that it's still a valid TWIC card, because that's the one that controls whether or not it's valid or expired. So just a marvel of bureaucracy, right? They're having two IDs to prove the same point, that I have a reason and a point to be in there in that terminal to go in and to minister to the ships. As we read this scripture, as we heard these words from Isaiah, we need to discern in this, and that was part of the unpacking of this, is who are we within this scripture? What is our identification within this narrative for this story? It, script, this scripture, as with most scriptures, they're not static. They're not set in stone anymore. They are... It's not to say that they're not authoritative. They very much are. But it is also, remember, this is poetic language. This is figurative. It is moving. It is the living and breathing word of God in our lives. Our Isaiah passage from 61, as we read this, you may recall that this is the passage that Jesus actually read when he had finished his time in the desert um, with his 40 days of fasting, and he would... He had been baptized and he went into the desert, 40 days of fasting, and there he was tempted by Satan. Satan came to him on three different occasions and tried to tempt him to misuse his power, shall we say. He offered him food if he would only worship him. He offered him uh, the, the nations of the world to be given to Jesus. And he offered him, why don't you just show that you are truly the Son of God and let everybody see. And at each point, Jesus confronted Satan and said no. This is what is written by my father. He knew who he was in his father's place in the kingdom. He understood what his place was there. So as he finished up this time and he came back into Nazareth, he began to, he went to the temple and there he was going to preach and teach about the scriptures. And he's, the, the scripture says he came and he read these verses, the first couple of verses from, from Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He reads those words, and he, but he, then he goes on. And he, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through 21 says this. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is a bold statement that Jesus is making at this point. First of all, do not disregard or, or quickly glide over that little phrase, and he sat down. Because you see, 
in, in Israel at that time, when someone was given the authority to teach and to preach these scriptures to the people who would listen, they would sit outside, usually right outside the temple or even outside the city gates. They would read them, and then they would sit down and begin to teach. And it seems strange to us because, the, you know, you have me standing up here. There's, there's no stool or any place for me to sit. In that culture, the one who sat down was the one who was in authority. They were the ones who everyone had to listen to. And then he states rather matter-of-factly, these words from the prophet Isaiah are about me. Who is he that he is claiming these words? The people of Nazareth were probably saying. He says that they were marveled at his words. What is he saying about them? And how do they matter to us? As I read both of these passages, something kind of jumped out at me. They are both, that phrase at the beginning, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me as I speak good news. You know, this is a Genesis type of recreation that is happening here. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 says this, The earth, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God is again speaking and acting words and that words that bring forth life in this Isaiah passage. Just as he spoke over this, what was nothing, the formless void, and he spoke words and it came into existence. So God is looking over his, his nation of Israel and he's speaking words and he is acting words that are going to bring out this life. It is the spirit of God that hovers over this that brings the hearing. To bring, he is speaking to issues of a broken world. The first three clauses, to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty, to the captives. These are messages of hope. These are messages of, I hear your pain and I see that you have been captive, captive by the injustice of the system, captive by, by those who would oppress you and would hold you down. Then in the middle is the climax of the verse with this, with this conditional clause, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. The year of the Lord's favor is kind of a year of jubilee. It's when all who are, who are enslaved are set free, when all debts are canceled. And the day of vengeance is our God. It is happening now, but it looks forward into the future. It lays claim. It shoots an anchor, if you will, into the future. And it says, this is the weight of this, that at some point God is going to finally fulfill for all time what is happening right here. No longer will people be oppressed. No longer will people be put down and kept under. The year, the year of the Lord cancels the debts and the day of vengeance makes sure that it will happen at Christ's second coming. But it comes back to now. It's not something that we have to wait for eternally. It is happening now. How is that? Well, the second bunch of clauses there is acting to restore fellowship and joy, to comfort all who mourn. You know, I don't know about you, 
but I think we're all under a COVID morning, shall we say. We're coming out from underneath this pandemic, and I can feel it in my spirit. It's been a long time. It brought me great joy to walk into this facility and to see Jason and Jason and Ha and, and Ho Jin and Daniel and to, to, to just rejoice with them and to see human beings. It, made, it brought my heart joy. To give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. That essentially means to take that face where we experience the pain and the languishing and the lament. And God says, I am going to do a new thing. By the power of the Spirit of the Lord upon me, I am going to change that all. And I'm going to give you a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Do you have that faint spirit? Do you have a weak spirit now? Be, in, be encouraged that God is going to give us that praise spirit. God is once again planting a garden that they may be called oaks of righteousness. Christ has been sent to recreate that which has been broken. As God finished the creation in Genesis 1 and he made mankind, he placed mankind in this beautiful garden. That's where this imagery of the oaks of righteousness is coming from. We are once again and we are now being placed in a garden. We don't see it with our eyes yet, but it is happening. The kingdom of God is here. How do we know that? How do these words matter to us? And here's where it gets really interesting. As the people of God, this list does not necessarily describe us. Yes, it does for right now, and you and I have gotten great comfort from these words. I have read these uh, many times, and I've gotten great comfort because, as I've just said, I've been in periods of mourning. I've felt faint in spirit. I've felt oppressed, and others besides me have felt more so. But what's happening here is that this list doesn't really ultimately describe us in our current condition. These words matter to us because they describe our role you and me, our role as agents of recreating life sent out by God, in whose image we are made. Just as God brought life to the formless void with his words, so he created us, you and me, in his image as agents and stewards of his glory in the garden. It has always been our mandate and our task to bring order and to be stewards in this world. We were told to tend the garden when he first made us. Although Adam and Eve sinned and disobeyed and were escorted from the garden, we never discontinued being his sons and daughters, and we were never given a reprieve from that command to tend this world. So we are still under that mandate to care for this world to care for the garden and all that God has given us, the natural world, the physical world, and the relationships with people. We live in a fallen world because of our disobedience, but God is in the business of bringing life where there is brokenness. These words in Isaiah are in fact directed towards us in our place as messengers of God's kingdom. Just as Christ came into this world as Emmanuel, as God with us, as incarnate, he calls us to follow in his ministry, to abandon whatever rights and privileges we might think we have. You'll recall that Paul writes that Christ, though he was equal with God, did not consider that equality with God as something to hang on to, to grasp, but gave it all up 
and came to this world to be Emmanuel, God with us. Even as he did that for us, he anticipates and expects and calls you and me to be the same servants to our sisters and brothers in this world who are broken and who are oppressed. The power that we are sent out with into the world rests upon those words and the strength of that word. The creative word of God is that word. The incarnation asks us to see ourselves as the image and likeness of God to whom has been given the dominion of this world. We are more than the subject of these words. Excuse me, we are, we are more the subject of these words, not the object. I want you to think about that second. We read these words and we find great comfort for ourselves. But I think what this prophecy is saying and what Isaiah is saying and what Christ is saying to us in our walk with him is that we are not the object of these worlds. We are the ones who bring hope to the oppressed. We are the ones who bind up the brokenhearted. We are the ones who exchange the ashes with a beautiful headdress. We are the ones who bring praise and joy into people's lives by bringing in justice and by bringing in deliverance and by bringing in hope and by bringing in food and by bringing in joy. This kind of language can be found at the end of chapter 61 in the passage that we read in verses 10 and 11 of Isaiah 61. Listen to what he's saying. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me and you with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. Sisters and brothers at Cornerstone Church, we are the righteousness and praise of Christ, given to us by His grace by his dying upon the cross, by his forgiveness of sins. We are that righteousness. We are that praise in him. These words are not about how God heals me, though we can at times find them as healing and comfort in times when we are in distress. Rather, we should see them as the anointing of God for us to go out into the world, to be sent out. This is our mandate. These are our ID tags. This is who we are, angels of grace and mercy to be sent out. We are called to be Christ to the other. We are called to be Christ to that store clerk. We are called to be Christ to that worker in the field. We are called to be Christ to that single mother. We are called to be Christ to those who are downtrodden and oppressed, who are brokenhearted, who see no hope in this world. Well, there is no hope in this world save through Jesus Christ, and we are the ones who Christ has empowered to bring that hope. The point of the incarnation was never to distance Jesus from us, but rather the opposite, to bring Jesus so close to us that we become his very message to this world. If we are the image of God, then, in that capacity, the image is a charge to act justly within this world of injustice, violence, prejudice, and oppression. 
We are not Christ's image when we triumph as much as when we serve. We are not, this is important, and I want to say this again, we are not Christ's image when we triumph as much as when we serve. We are not to separate ourselves from the world, but to boldly go into the world with the announcement and the healing that the kingdom of God is here. Yes, the finality is coming when Jesus comes again, but it is also here. Jesus said it. He has announced the kingdom of God. And so we are not to separate ourselves from this world. Listen to these words from Dallas Willard, a very thoughtful theologian whom I love to read. But for all of the virtues that may be found in monasticism, Jesus and his students were not monastics. Theirs was a spirituality of engagement with the world, a spirituality of stewardship, the f- of stewardship, which hears the words, do business with these until I come back, Luke chapter 19, verse 13, and rises up in the face of all opposition to conduct normal affairs in the power of God. That is our calling to be in this world, to conduct business as usual with whomever, but you go forth as an angel of mercy and grace in Christ's name. Isaiah 61 is not just about the ability and the desire of God to heal human wounds, although it is that. That Isaiah 61 is a call to be the bodies through whom divine justice becomes a reality today. And not just within our own small communities, but to the nations. Because that's how we reach the nations, by starting in each of our communities. We bring that good news into the world. And that news is that Jesus is the resurrected Messiah. And he has brought the kingdom of God to us. His grace empowers us. His grace influences us. His grace gives us that strength to share that good news. I love to share this as I preach the word grace, which we hear often, and we, we, we sometimes miss the strength and the depth and the power of that word. The word grace, the way that I define it so that I fully, not even fully, that, I, that it resonates within my soul is this. Grace means the divine influence upon my life. It is freely given because what of Christ has done upon the cross, and thence we say it is by grace we have been saved. But that grace is the divine influence. How does it change me? How does it motivate me? How does it move me? How does it empower me to bring joy and gladness to a world that not, does not know joy and gladness? That grace empowers me to serve the world by bringing justice and healing and to proclaim that this is the year of the Lord's favor. Isaiah wrote that when he wrote his prophecy in the Old Testament. Jesus said it in the, when he sat down outside that temple. This is the year of the Lord's favor. Do you understand that when Christ comes, every year now is the Lord's favor because he has given us Emmanuel. He has given us the Messiah. He has given us the, ones that has, the one that has broken the chains of death. He has given us the one that has canceled our sin and that allows us to serve him as his righteousness and his glory in this world. Think of that. You are the angels. You are the angels singing to the shepherds of the world, the broken, the disenfranchised, the poor, those cast out and forgotten. And you are saying, fear not, for unto you is born this day a Savior, 
which is Christ the Lord. That is the great news that we are sent out with into this world. We don't wait for the angels any longer. You are the angels. I am an angel bringing that message to these people. So the next time that you ask, as you probably will, and as I have through my entire life, Lord, I am not worthy. I cannot do this. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a teacher. I don't know enough of this. I have no gifts. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. God has given each of us a gift in whatever form or fashion. My, one of my favorite verses is from the prophet Jeremiah, where Jeremiah asks, Who am I, Lord? I am but a youth. And he wonders, how, am I, how is God going to use me in this world? And God says to him these very powerful words to the prophet Jeremiah, but he also says it to you and to me. Listen to these words from Jeremiah 1. But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. That is what you are being sent out with, Cornerstone Church, this day. You are being sent out to build and to plant. When you see oppression, do not be dismayed. But rejoice that God has given you every gift you need to accomplish that goal. When you see those who mourn, do not be dismayed, but mourn with them, but bring with them the joy that this world is a world where the Savior has come into it and brings hope and brings the view of the eternal, that it will not always be this way, but a new heaven and a new earth is coming where we will be resurrected with him. You are the ones that are being sent out to those who are broken in this world, to the aged, to those who are, who are uh, captured by substance abuse, to those who are oppressed by racial, racial prejudice, to those who have no money to find food for the day. We are the ones that are being sent out to bring the hope of Christ to this world. What a joyous thing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Listen to those words as we close and as I pray for you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you, Cornerstone Church, the anointing to bring the hope of Christ to the nations. Father, bless every member of Cornerstone Church. Touch them in their heart and in their lives. Lift up their spirits so they might know that you are the risen and resurrected Messiah the one who brings joy to this world, the forgiveness of sins, and brings these angels of grace and mercy as messengers of hope. Amen. God bless you, Cornerstone Church, and thank you for this time to be with you.